Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist and the Voice of Compliance, and I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series on the current state of compliance, issues, and challenges, where I visit with Terry Orr, the Managing Director at Kroll, a division of Duff & Phelps. Kroll is the sponsor of this podcast series. In this podcast series, we visit with Terry about his professional background, the current state of compliance through the lens of recent FCPA enforcement actions, the evaluation of corporate compliance programs 2019 guidance. We consider some of the specific issues for compliance in the private equity arena and the increased importance of compliance in the ever-changing healthcare space. First, a word about our sponsor, Kroll and Duff & Phelps. Kroll is a Leading provider of risk solutions for more than 45 years, Kroll has helped clients make confident risk management decisions about people, assets, operations, and security through a wide range of investigations, cybersecurity, due diligence, and compliance, physical and operational security, and data and information management services. For more information on Kroll, visit Kroll's website, www.kroll.com. Duff & Phelps, the parent of Kroll is the global advisor that protects, restores, and maximizes value for clients in the areas of valuation, corporate finance, investigations, disputes, cybersecurity compliance, regulatory matters, and other government-related issues. Duff & Phelps works with clients across diverse sectors, mitigating risk to assets, operations, and people. With Kroll, a division of Duff & Phelps since 2004, the firm has nearly 3,500 professionals in 28 countries around the world more information on Duff & Phelps, visit their website, www.duffandphelps.com. In this part four, we take a look at some of the unique issues of private equity in the compliance arena. I know you will find this fascinating. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode with Terry Orr, Managing Director at Kroll, a division of Duff & Phelps. Today, we're going to take up uh, the topic of private equity and compliance plans So first of all, Terry, uh, thank you for taking the time to visit with me, and welcome back. Well, thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. So Terry, uh, as we continue our discussion, I think uh, private equity is uh, unfortunately uniquely suited as one of the groups that uh, the Department of Justice has made clear is going to be under scrutiny and what we would call an industry suite, but also they have a different set of risk parameters. So I'm very interested today to hear sort of your thoughts on that, um, because obviously as a business entity, they need their own compliance program, but they're also owners of businesses. So with that, um, maybe we can just start with why do you feel it is important for private equity to focus on compliance plans uh, of their uh, portfolio or investment companies? Uh, That's a great question, Tom. Um, The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission and the U.S. Department of Justice are placing greater emphasis on the importance of effective compliance programs. We discussed all of that in earlier um, uh, discussions. So um, we just discussed that the DOJ's recent guidance uh, on corporate compliance and lessons learned best practices that can be incorporated in compliance programs established from recent FCPA settlements. In the DOJ's recent guidance, they emphasized an increased focus on the roles of senior and middle management for enforcing a compliance program. 
the SEC and DOJ are prepared to hold fund managers responsible if one of their portfolio companies turn out to have internal issues, including corruption, lapses in data protection, or even the Me Too movement. Those agencies even have authority over international investments if the fund manager is based in the U.S., meaning that private equity players will often be forced to grapple with both U.S. and international regulators. Terry, if I could, uh, I'd like to pick up that last point that you raised and ask you specifically, have you seen specific areas of concern for private equity sponsors who have either international investments or even prospective investments um, uh, uh, outside the United States? Um, We have. Um, The Trump administration is using sanctions more than any other uh, recent administration. Therefore, private equity sponsors need to be aware of whether a prospective portfolio company or even a portfolio company does business in a region where there are U.S. sanctions. Or for certain deals, they'll have to consider the Committee on Foreign Investment in the U.S. or the CFIUS concerns, in addition to data protection and privacy issues. Me Too and foreign corrupt practice issues are hot topics as well. Terry, typically uh, private equity companies will certainly consider uh, compliance programs as a key component of their pre-acquisition due diligence, Uh, but uh, that's only part of the equation when it comes to M&A under the FCPA. So what are some of the reasons why they should be focused on compliance programs after closing or after acquisition? Well, it's always possible that a new issue will arise in the wake of a deal being signed, but fund managers need to ensure that in the aftermath of a deal, the portfolio's company is either fully compliant or is taking steps to make sure it will be fully compliant going forward. Uh, And then always uh, the the question is, how, how does a fund manager ensure that a portfolio company's are being uh, compliant, that their compliance program is effective, and it's going to meet the standards that you articulated a little bit earlier. The best way to be vigilant is to do serious due diligence uh, and then implement the policies that will put a business in the best position to avoid being penalized by a regulator. Kroll and Duffin Phelps has teams of experienced professionals specializing in a variety of industries that assist fund managers test compliance programs for weaknesses and gaps and then help the fund managers implement policies that will put a business in the best position to avoid being penalized by regulators or experience losses from nefarious acts by employees or non-employees. Terry, one of the things that struck me about the most recent Department of Justice pronouncement on the evaluation of corporate compliance programs 2019 guidance was the uh, increased emphasis on testing what the Department of Justice calls continuous improvement. But it's not simply the testing. It's taking that information and and looping that back into your compliance program or uh, almost a continuous cycle of improvement. So I wanted to uh, use that as an introduction to ask you, uh, have you seen private equity sponsors spending money on testing or continuous improvement and then taking that next step that the Department of Justice emphasized in their most recent pronouncement? That's a great question. Historically, private equity sponsors have been hesitant to spend money on compliance programs. However, more recently, I've seen a shift in the market. 
private equity sponsors are placing greater importance on a portfolio company's existing control structures for exactly the reasons you mentioned. I believe this is occurring uh, in addition for a number of reasons. Uh, Due to the high uh, valuations at which many businesses are trading, buyers have no choice but to pay top dollars for a company leaving virtually no margin for error or future losses caused by a weak compliance program. While the cost of fines and penalties might be a quantifiable risk, the risk of reputational damage is unquantifiable, and and thus greater effort is being made to protect against it. And then finally, due to the quantifiable nature of fines, penalties, and even fraud losses, private equities are finding a positive ROI in testing and establishing strong compliance and control structures. Terry, one of the things many compliance practitioners have struggled with uh, for some time now, and certainly in the private equity space, is a discussion about a positive return on investment or ROI on a strong compliance and controls program. I was wondering uh, if you would have any thoughts that might help guide that discussion. Well, uh, let me use one example that uh, comes to mind. The Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, the ACFE, estimates that in their um, the AFC's uh, recent 2018 report to the to the nation estimates that companies are losing approximately 5% of annual revenues to fraud. Um, Just running through a quick example, in a company generating $15 million annually with an EBITDA of $2.25 million, losing 5% of revenues or $750,000 would have a valuation impact on the company of approximately $9 million assuming a valuation of 12 times EBITDA. This shows that an undetected fraud totaling 5% of revenues can decrease the company's valuation by as much as 25%. Add to this risk and quantifiable penalties associated with industries in which there's heightened government oversight, such as companies with international operations, particularly in certain parts of the world that where there's high risk, banking and financial services, healthcare, pharmaceutical and biotechnology companies, companies performing government contracting, construction, engineering and infrastructure companies with long multi-year contracts and software development service companies. And the cause for testing or the case for testing and strengthening uh, compliance programs and internal controls becomes even stronger. Terry, I've uh, been very persuaded by the ACFE report to the nations, uh, particularly with its emphasis that bribery and corruption is really just a subset of fraud. And it struck me in listening to you there that if we substituted the words um, losing 5% of annual revenues to bribery and corruption instead of the word fraud, we might not only have the uh, uh, multiplier that you suggested, but if 5% or 10% of a company's contracts were procured through bribery and corruption and that uh, company is is acquired by a private equity company, it could be a, a devastating business result to the company in addition to the fines and penalties you've articulated. You're absolutely correct. Um, 
that's a great point and speaks uh, directly to uh, the ROI I was talking about. You know, there is now with these quantifiable measurements that can, you know, you can start to anticipate if you have those types of losses or fraud and corruption uh, in a company, uh, the impact that it has um, on the valuation of the company. Um, and, and that's not even taking into consideration the non-quantifiable uh, business reputational risk that you run. Terry, I've often heard that private equity sponsors indicate that because their portfolio companies are audited by independent auditors, uh, the private equity companies don't need to do additional compliance testing or remediation on a portfolio company's compliance or internal control control structures. How might you respond to that line of thinking or if someone suggested that to you? Well, it, it's certainly flawed. Uh, first of all, uh, management um, is the primary response is primarily responsible for establishing and testing compliance programs and internal controls, not external auditors. Uh, the DOJ and the SEC um, clearly are holding management, middle management responsible. Um, number two, the independent auditors test companies' financial statements for material accuracy. Um, fraud schemes generally fall under the auditor's materiality threshold for testing. So oftentimes uh, they're not going to catch uh, issues that might have, an, have a 5% impact on the company. Uh, and then finally, professional accounting standards do not mandate that auditors resolve fraud or allegations of fraud unless engaged to do so. So, you know, it's, it yeah, specifically falls on the shoulders of management to address these issues, not not the external auditors. Well, Terry, unfortunately, we are uh, at uh, the end of our time today, but I've been visiting with Terry Orr, the managing director at Kroll, the division of Del Duff and Phelps. Today, we've been considering private equity and compliance plans, and I hope you'll join us tomorrow where we take up new compliance concerns in healthcare. Terry, as always, I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I hope you'll join us again tomorrow for our next episode. Once again, if you have any questions on Kroll, you can check out their website, www.kroll.com. This special five-part podcast presentation on the current state of compliance, issues, and challenges is sponsored by Kroll. It's a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network, and it's also available through the C-Suite Radio. Thank you for listening. I look forward to visiting with you tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.